0: All right, how's everybody doing? Welcome back to You Don't Know Ball, episode sixty, big six zero. We're glad to have y'all back. And I would say, Hunter, like I've been saying before we started recording, I think that this week was definitely the most fun one hundred week of football so far. And you know, tonight we get the Chiefs and the Eagles Super Bowl rematch. I mean, you can't ask for more than that
1: to top off the special week. What do you got to say about what do you got to say about it so far? Well, I think it started off pretty upsetting going into Cincinnati at Baltimore, you know, you have Mark Andrews, who's basically out for the year. If not, I think he was ruled out for the year. Um, they but said
0: I, unless they make a deep playoff run, there's a chance, okay. but you know how that goes. The chance it's like, then the time comes maybe and it's like, we don't know. Joe Burrow
1: is likely out for the year. So with that, my question is, what is the chance the Bengals still make the playoffs? I say, okay, because we looked at the schedule last
0: week. I remember we already looked and it was definitely very bleak, even with Joe Burrow playing. I think now that you take him out of the equation, if I had to give you a numbers percentage, I'm going like five percent.
1: I mean, yeah, they're already they're already 500 right now.
0: Yeah. And again, like the AFC North, it's just uh, it's living up to the narrative
1: is perfect, though. I mean, this Uh, was this if Joe Burrow would have been healthy. I think the narrative that all four teams from the north would have got in. No, for sure. Like, you know, and like we're saying, it still is possible.
0: This is definitely just about as bleak as you could be, though. But like we said last week, I don't think the Bengals are in a situation where if you're a Bengals fan, you should be concerned. No, like that's not the situation. You shouldn't be worried. You guys are still the same Bengals.
1: It's just the way the year started. I think you need to figure out how to start hotter, though, because like this is the third year in a row they started slow. I do agree.
0: But then it's like this is the thing about the Bengals that makes me like like redeems them in that aspect. Right. Because like the old patriots. Yeah. It's like that was always their MO. Like it's like if the Bengals can just do that and consistently start slow and and finish fine, it's no big deal. It's like it's just a matter of I do agree though. It's been 3 years of this in a row. You definitely want to see at least one season because the Patriots would every once in a while find a way to start hot.
1: Yeah, I guess the thing about the Patriots is they won the Super Bowl though. Like once you win the Super Bowl, like you get a lot more slack. Like they made it and they've been to AFC Championships, but they haven't actually gotten the job done. So I don't feel like you get that slack. You get a little bit of slack, but not as much as if you were to finish the deal. I mean, the Ravens still looked good. Like that's, I think that's another story from this game is like, regardless of Mark Andrews going down, that's a big thing. Like they have looked really good on offense and defense.
0: So, you know, we like like number one, Gus averaging two touchdowns over the last four games. Again, you know, I had my bullet point here. Like, look, any running back can eat in a competent offense with Lamar. Greg Roman offense, really good for Lamar. Running backs in the system, not as much. This Todd Munkin offense, everybody's eating. Get a competent offense around Lamar. Any running back can eat. You just got to involve him in the offense consistently. You got to love that. Then on the defensive side of the ball, a Oe, one sack in each last three games. And then also, Justin Matabuke quietly, one of the best interior defenders in the NFL this season, six games in a row with at least one sack, seven in the total span. I don't know why I'm not hearing his name at all. So we'll be the ones to say it. Shots just at Absolute beast on the interior. I mean, yeah, the Ravens are just rolling right now.
1: I think they have, in my opinion, the best shot probably at the one seed in the AFC at this point. After watching, like, I think the Chiefs are still really good. I think the Jags are still really good. But the issue is I just have the most confidence in the Ravens to continue to win on both sides of the ball. No, for sure. Um, And you got your health there. Whereas
0: some of the other teams, are not, you're a little worried about the health. I feel like with the Ravens, you're like, we're, we're still ma- majorly healthy, which is a good thing. We'll knock on wood for you guys.
1: So just to kind of finish this game off, and then we can move to Steelers-Browns. Um, with Jake Browning getting this opportunity, how do you think the Bengals kind of run their offense? Do you think they take a little bit more conservative approach and run the ball a lot more, try to just manage the game clock? Or do you think they use their weapons in Jamar Chase and T. Higgins when healthy?
0: I mean, I think that this offense will still be relatively similar to what it was. I think that you'll definitely will see the runs go up like 10 more runs a game, 12 okay. more runs a game. You know, you balance it out a little more towards the run, but I think they'll still be running the same stuff. And yeah, like the main point here is, look, Jake Browning is getting a great opportunity. I mean, if you're Jake Browning, you've got to take advantage of this. Obviously, your future is not going to be with the Bengals in terms of starting. Right. But, you know, hey, you have a great stint this year. Get someone interested in you or maybe lock up that backup. Pro long term. I mean, no matter what for Jake Browning, it's an opportunity, no matter how you slice it as an opportunity, whether it's a starting opportunity, backup opportunity, you got to take advantage of it.
1: Talking about taking advantage of something. How long do you think the Steelers are going to ride with Kenny Pickett after this year? Because they have been taking advantage of their defense quite a bit. The offense has not produced. The defense is the only reason they are staying in games. Well, I'll ask
0: you, like, if you were the GM, what would you do? I'll tell you right now, from my perspective, there's not a doubt in my mind I'm going to look at other options. And by look at other options, I mean commit to other options. Let me not even steer anyone aside. I'm committing to other options this offseason.
1: So here's my thing. I think it is 100% a scheme issue with Matt Canada. But I think it's also like 100% on Kenny Pickett to play better. Like, there, there is no... the. This is the same thing with like Nagy and Mitch in Chicago. They are both problems, but they need to be fixed because something I was just listening to the PFF pod and they were talking about how when Mitch Trubisky was in, he has a very similar grade to Kenny Pickett. And the common denominator there is maybe, maybe their skill level, but also the offensive coordinator. So my thing is if you have two quarterbacks, probably around the same skill level, however you want to debate Kenny Pickett, but you have a coordinator who is the same for both and they're grading out the same. You would imagine that it's probably an offensive coordinator scheme. And it and, and you saw the big Ben and the later year struggle with this. Well, okay. So yeah, let's again.
0: So there's a lot of things I want to address about this. Cause I kind of got on my, like talking about this last week, but it wasn't like, I just got off it quickly because it is what it is. And it still is what it is. But after a week, like last week, I got to reemphasize the same point, right? Where a lot of Steelers fans has, just haven't, really, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, the analogy? Face the music, right? Like, it's, it's right in your face. Because like you're saying, yes, like Kenny Pickett is completely failing. But it's also obvious that the offense sucks. But like we said last week, it's obvious that the two things can be happening at the same time. But for some reason, Steelers fans can't see it that way. I think I would say it like this. We could take Kenny Pickett and put him on a team like the Chiefs. And yeah, he'd look a lot better. He still would be. But then you'd have Chiefs fans saying, this guy's not going to take us to where we need to be. You see what I'm saying? The point is, you can see it on the Steelers. He's definitely not taking where you need to be. He's definitely not elevating you anywhere close to where you need to be. Even if you put him on a really good team, yeah, you can win games with him, but he's not going to elevate you to the promised land. And at the end of the day, that's what you're paying these guys for. Sorry, I'm sorry, Kenny P. Sorry, Kenny P fans. The reality is, you have to move on from him as a starter in Pittsburgh.
1: And there's just no other way to slice it. So here is something that'll probably piss off Steelers fans. Tommy DeVito, who has only played in about three four games this year has the same amount of passing touchdowns as Kenny Pickett and about a third a little under a third of his total yards um passing yards i mean so it's just like when you have someone coming in like that and playing like almost at your level yes it is an offensive scheme thing but there's probably some issues at quarterback like Tommy DeVito lives at home and makes $44,000 a game like Kenny Pickett was a first round pick there is problems here um I think this says a lot about the Browns' defense, though, and just the Browns as a whole and their resiliency. They lose Deshaun Watson for the year, and these guys rallied behind DTR. Like, DTR played like shit when he played in his first regular season game, which, you know, he, I think he was a fifth-round rookie. Like, you don't really expect much from them. But Right, this is what we'd expect. Yeah, so, but like, for them to rally and beat like a Steelers team who, regardless of how you feel about their team, Was six and three now six and four I believe so I don't know I just are the Browns kind of built for this Can the Browns still win a playoff game? I think and again I think Browns fans would agree with me right now. The reality
0: is like this that's what hurts so much about this year. I, I I know a Browns fan is a good friend of mine. He would tell you yeah the reality is it hurts so much because you know no matter how good the team is. There's really no way, and I. think, But again, that's why you bring in a guy like Joe Flacco, which still is bleak. But look, the, uh, the objective reality is like with a guy like DTR. I mean, really, what's the chances you're going to go win four playoff games in a row? Right. I mean, if you win the one, at that point, it's almost like I don't want to say that it hurts you more because yeah, you are the Browns, you want to win a playoff game. You had a lot of that recently, but then it, you also look at it from the perspective of the optics of like, look, we are literally losing draft stock, and yeah, by one or two picks, hey, one or two picks can mean a lot at the end of the day, and the. Yeah, the reality is this year, it's very likely not going to be the year with Deshaun not playing. It just right. is what it is. That's why it hurts so much because everything Chubb else. is out. Yeah. Chubb, like we said, though, Chubb was fixable without Deshaun. I mean, I'm it, just saying without them both, it is like a multiplying effect. Well, no, exactly. And that's the thing. Is if you still even had Chubb now, I'd be saying to myself, you know, maybe just find a way, sneak out a couple of them. But without both of them, it, it's really a gut punch because this was where it felt like the year. Yeah, I would compare it to probably how uh, they probably feel like kind of how Saints fans did. But the difference was being that this was Drew's last year. This happened Saints fans when he got hit in the ribs out for the year. And we're like, well, we're done. Like we had such a good team. But, you know, without Drew, there's not a try. You're going to go make, make the run.
1: Oh, 100%. it's kind of like Browns
0: fans right now. Like, hey, look, you know, like we had a really good team This very well could have been the year. But the reality is now like on to next year. At least, you know, Deshaun's not gonna be retiring on you. That's a plus. But yeah, I mean, no matter how you look at it, it's it's going to suck. The rest of the year is going to be fun with this defense, but then it's going to suck when you look back on the fact that yes, this could have been the year, but you know, things happen for a reason. I guess you have to stay looking at it like that. And I mean, Deshaun's played good when he's out there recently. That's a definitely a big plus is that, Hey, at least Deshaun's showing you still steps up in the clutch doing, you know, doing stuff. And you know, I've been seeing the narrative recently to talk about it. When you compare his numbers to Joe Burrows, I mean, right now recently, it's like, it's not, they're really not that uh, crazy
1: played that bad. No, he's not. That's,
0: that's where this, this weird narrative like and again I get it whenever we talk about this I just glaze over because I'm not going to sit here and talk about things outside of football but people don't like him for obvious reasons now And he's kind of has like the target on his back yeah so that's going to feed into that narrative but again if I talk about objectively, things objectively he
1: is like a top 18 quarterback like a top he is a maybe even top 14 quarterback where it's like you are on a playoff team with him no for sure like you that's can win with him with the way he's playing and like something else I want to shout out um, to DTR for and kind of to go off your point of Elijah Moore kind of coming into this offense, is he was able to spread the ball out pretty well. Elijah Moore, seven targets, Najoku, 15, Cooper, eight, Jerome Ford, five, like six receptions, seven receptions, four receptions, two receptions. Regardless, he was getting the ball to multiple receivers and not just, you know, targeting Amari Cooper every single time. No, exactly, exactly. So I think, again, for the Browns, it's kind
0: of just like, It is what it is. How about the best case scenario you could say is, hey, if some way somehow DTR starts turning elite in the next five, six weeks, then then you get the best situation ever at the quarterback room. Yeah. But again, it kind of just is what it is. You're building on this year, most likely for next year, but you're still a great team. And then with the Steelers. Yeah. I mean, besides the Kenny Pickett situation, nothing we had to talk about. I mean, Jalen Warren's been on a tear.
1: Yeah, but there's no reason that Najee should have got more touches than
0: him. Yeah, that's that's all I really need to say about Steve at
1: this point is it's like Jalen Warren is the hottest running back in the league at this point. Uh start
0: giving him almost all the touches.
1: Let me ask you a question. Would you rather have 14.3 yards to carry or 2.9? And, Matt Canada and, Matt
0: Canada clearly would prefer the 2.9. And
1: also just for some basically Najee had one attempt where he had like 17 yards. It was like a, a draw. So realistically he's averaging like 1.3 yards a carry like that there's he should not be getting like there's third string running backs on a lot of other teams that would be getting more than him
0: it, no it, it it actually is to the point where uh it's getting ridiculous but the, the Steelers offense is ridiculous so this is just what we expect I mean yeah it's hilarious
1: but it's not if you're a Steelers fan so before we move on I just let's let's take our victory wrap around the Steelers fans man let's let's do it um you guys are constantly in our comments talking about Steelers, Steelers, Steelers. Y'all got whooped by a backup. Not whooped, but you lost. You lost to a backup quarterback. Like realistically, like DTR played, not outplayed Kenny Pickett, but he got the win. He did more than Kenny Pickett did enough to get the win. No, and just
0: victory lap, like. Man, it's just like, y'all comments are hilarious. If y'all are going to leave a comment, man, just be sure you're right. Because that shit is just funny in hindsight. I don't even be the one. I might, like, y'all know me. I'm not even the type to respond in the comments again. I'm oh, going to come leave it here. But I think I do need to come be, I need Steelers to start.
1: are like, the Steelers fans are like the only people I respond to because they're just like, so sure that their team is going to win. And it's just like, bro, you just got beat by a fifth round rookie who was starting his second game. So He played well enough to win. Another person that played well enough to win but did not is Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. If Justin played like this every game for the rest of the year, is he the guy going forward?
0: See, I feel like no matter what at this point, I feel like I'm a bad guy to ask this to because I'm kind of in that territory where it's almost like my mind is made up. Because, But again, you got to hear me out. okay? Because I think what it is with me is it's kind of like like, it's not even about Justin, though. That's where I want to be so clear. Like, this is not about Justin. Like, it's not. A, this has nothing to do with Justin. But I think this has much more to do with what th- the results and the ramifications of skipping out on Caleb if he is who I think he is.
1: You know You know what I'm saying here? Well, like, I it's personally like, would like Drake May over s- Caleb.
0: See, th- here's the thing, though. I, I want to address this for what it is, because I feel like this is starting to become the narrative that's gaining traction. Look, Caleb's uh, like intangible mental makeup. I know it's been in question. Look, I'm going to be clear. I'm kind of starting to question it too. Like some of the stuff that I see throughout the uh, last couple of years, especially a lot of stuff recently about the way he handles adversity and situations and stuff like that, it is a little bit of a turnoff from the sense of you're going to need someone who's at the highest level mentally, who can deal with the most stuff mentally, who's able to travel the world and do all this stuff. And you got it. Like, I mean, yeah, you need someone who's mentally really, really there. But at the same time, I've been asking myself, like, this is going to sound bad because I'm usually not the type of guy would ever like I'm like even questioning myself. How, do I, how am I even saying this? But I think with a guy like Caleb, part of it is where it comes down to it, though, is where it's like he looks at it like, look, I'm not a professional yet. Like it's like all this extra stuff people want me to be That's doing fair. and being at the highest level professionally. It's like, but I'm not a professional. And it's like I know my worth. Like I know my talent. Like I could sit here and bullshit everybody and, and put on a fake superhero cape and be super Mr. Media while I'm not getting like paid to do so yet. Or I could just you know, be myself ride on my talent until I'm getting. But then again, it's like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, that, but, but if that's the type of person you are, then it's like kind of hard to change it just right. because you're getting paid. So it's like that pretty,
1: once you get paid, it's almost like you don't have incentive to change it.
0: Yeah. So it's like, that's the thing though, is again, I'm going to, I'm going to get off my soapbox, but Caleb's raw talent. I do just think is just, it's just risky to pass on. I mean, it's yeah. just where it's almost like I'm taking that shot at this point. If I have that number one pick for sure. Especially, I think this week even just reinforced it with that shot. I mean that, like that throw again. I don't mean to sit here and be on my like the Zach Wilson pro day, like referring to one throw. Because, but that's the thing; it's not like that with Caleb. Yeah. I mean that last week, that throw he made stepping up the pocket, dialing the ball down the
1: field, sixty yards. It's just stuff that you don't see right college athletes like, ever doing. I mean, here's my thing. I think, and and they are different players. I think when you look at like the flaws in Justin Fields' game, obviously this is going to have a lot to do with who. Caleb Williams coordinator is similar to Justin Fields, who his coordinator is. My thing is they have like more of a similar play style than Drake may. They're more similar than different. And my thing is if as an athlete, Justin is a better athlete. So my thing is if you're going to go with Caleb Williams, you might as well just stick with Justin and grab Marvin Harrison and one of the top guys. Now, if you're going to move on from Justin, then I'd say you go get Drake may, because may is different than justin in he's he's very he's much different than justin no that is true
0: because you just you know you really just put a thought in my head i haven't even ever said because i haven't thought about it until just now yeah but you know my, what i've just thought about that this is actually my biggest thing about going forward justin that makes it kind of volatile because we always say right like this trend we're going towards with mobile qbs like you see it very quickly yeah. how if they rely on their legs a lot and the legs work but then that you get even just one injury where it starts to affect it and then you notice they come out and they're not running as fast as they were before yeah and then they get injured again and then, well, he's definitely not as fast as he was before and my point i'm trying to make is if a guy like justin who he, his game is not like 75 25 it's like 50 50 if not 60 to 40 the running is better yeah. than the passing where it's like if you take any if even that just gets hurt in the smidgeness like he, it's kind of like rg3 stuff where he goes the value goes down if his game Very so fast. much.
1: yeah where you get what I'm saying? It's Which like, is I feel weird like because we saw him run the most this game coming off. It's a thumb injury, but you know what I'm saying? Like, Well, no, exactly. And that's, that's what I'm trying to say is, is I feel like it's like,
0: with Justin, yeah, you can build that offense around him while he's still fully healthy. But I think the reality, and he showed us where it's like, Justin's not like Lamar, where no. he runs around all the time and gets hit all the time and always bounces right back up. Like, Justin takes a couple hits every once in a while, are like, damn, it looked like that really stung him. It looks like he's like really hurting from he that. He takes big hits. Yeah, like where it's like, you don't see that. And that's why Lamar's like the one exception to this he rule. He always
1: gets out of the way of contact. Right, yeah. like
0: Lamar's the one exception. Even with the guy like Josh Allen, a lot of times, I'm looking and I'm kind of like, is the reason, maybe even this year as an example, that some of these times where he'll make tweak plays and things like that happen is because... You almost like start to you take that contact enough and you start to almost like psych yourself out with what's going to happen, what could happen. And you make a mistake instead of just, you know what I'm saying here? Right. Like, I'm not going to bring Josh Allen into this because now I'm going all over the place. But my point that I'm trying to make is I feel like with Justin, I just feel like still his legs are too much of the game. Whereas if they ever get taken away, it's not enough for me to commit to him long term. To
1: be fair, I will say this. I watched him do some things in the past game this week that I've never seen him do like. The way he stepped up in the pocket, some of the throws he made while he was being contacted, like that is the best I've ever seen of Justin Fields, like playing quarterback. I'm not talking about as a passer, like obviously the Washington game was probably one of his best games as a passer. But just like the little things he did this game are something that I've never seen at the pro level. And I was very impressed. Whereas, like, my thing is, like, if he were to do this every game, for the rest of the year, I would be okay moving forward with Justin because my thing is, okay, next year, year four, year five, you can pick up year four, year five, like the team should be in competition mode. So then if you want to go ahead and move into a new quarterback, at least you have the team built and then you're on the rookie contract. So maybe this is the plan all along, but we can stop talking about Justin Fields and the future and just kind of go into like what this loss was like, it was a coach's loss. Like, this was a loss by the coaches. Well, this, I think, again,
0: this is like a lot of other coaching staffs that we'll talk about as we go into more games here. But this was your guys won this week. Like I said, there's not, there's a lot of other teams that had this week at the same week. But the week where you guys realize that if you move forward with this coaching staff, there's nothing ahead. No. There's no I mean, there, actually, there is. There's regression. That's what, if you move forward with this coaching staff, there's just more regression ahead. Because Ibrafus has showed, not, not only is he not a head coach, at this point... It's, it's concerning because his defense has been what's been failing a lot of the times yeah. where it's like the defense, but look, I know the defense on a little bit of a hot streak the past few games. This is exactly why I said what I said with the bears, unfortunately still is a guy like Iberflus at the helm. I don't trust them. No. I just don't. And, and I think this was the your guys week where it's like, look, we got to move no matter what, it's not going to happen in the middle of the year. I don't think, but after this year, there's no way you got you can move forward with the staff
1: no we can't I mean the nice thing that you do see is that like players that we recently acquired whether draft or free agency like are performing Roshan looked like a beast um TJ Edwards in the last four weeks 49 tackles and one interception something you wrote down but I just want to point out through the first 10 games of being a bear he holds like the tackle record so TJ Edwards is vastly overperforming his contract and someone who is not is maybe tremaine edmonds i mean he had the pick but he just has been injured he's not hasn't been bad but like not what you paid him to do and also like at that point like i would have been cool spending the money elsewhere and just running it with edwards and sanborn
0: so what you're saying i was gonna say so what you're saying is is another year or two of this tremaine is getting yeah, and that's, the, that's thing. the thing about his contract is you don't have to pay that thing, if I'm not mistaken, long-term. No, it's like, it's like a two-year
1: deal, basically. Yeah, what's the point which, if he keeps us up? I'm sorry. Which, which is a, another good safety net by polls. Um, but kind of going in like Montez Sweat had... So, like, the defense is coming along, but when you give up 14 points in the last two minutes and 35 seconds, albeit to a very, very good Lions offense, you know, I think you broke this down, and I think this is what separates the Bears The most, And they said this on PFF today, and I think this is a great way to put it. The Lions went from losing ugly to now they're winning ugly. The Bears can't even lose pretty. They can't even win ugly. Like, that's the thing is, like, they can't even lose in a good fashion. It's always, like, a very ugly way. And it's, like, you could just tell, like, the culture difference between these two teams in those last two minutes. Like, bro, when... When the Bears missed that deep shot to Tyler Scott, I was like, oh, game's over. We lost. We lost the game. Like, I knew at that point we had lost the game. It was just... You guys
0: went Derek Carr at the end. Literally, you guys took some inspiration from Carr. I had to point that out. It was bad. But, uh,
1: you know, Montgomery had his game. Like, I'm on Raw 8. I mean, he's been on a tear this year. The, I mean, one game this year under five receptions? I mean, that is just
0: absurd.
1: We... The Bears forced four turnovers and lost this game. Like, that's how, like, I, I I I don't mean to, like, talk about the Bears so much compared to the Lions, but it's like the Lions came in, fumbled away an easy victory, and then made it a hard victory on themselves. But the fact that they still did it just shows you that they're built for this thing that's what good, I would
0: say I'll say from the perspective of like any good team I've ever watched and, and you know appreciate it I think that look the reality is you're always gonna have a couple of those games a year it, it is that's yeah. why that's why I'm so tired of when we go to the comments and you and you 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 want to act like we're supposed to get every game right the reality of the situation is guys look different teams show up different weeks I wish I could predict I wish everybody could just predict when everyone was gonna feel like showing up But I mean, hey, man, look, the reality situation is teams show up. And that's the point is sometimes you're going to show up in the way that they didn't expect. Sometimes, oh, look, maybe we didn't prepare certain things. Why? Oh, my goodness. Everybody's head's not in the right place. And you don't show up the way you're supposed to show up. But guess guess what? You know what good teams do is that they write the wrong halfway through three, four through. That's what good teams do. Like, that's just a reminder to you if you're a Lions fan. Like, you guys are a good team. Like, that's what good teams are not going to play perfect every week. You cannot. I don't care how good you are. But that's what good teams will do is they'll pull it out from the jaws of defeat exactly what they did
1: unfortunately the chargers were not able to pull it out either after heading into lambo so my question for you is lac at green bay will brandon staley make it through the whole year if they are eliminated from playoff contention early i think it's like we were just saying i think i think he will because it's almost like
0: if you were gonna let him go right the time we do it was last year it's like you already put the clown makeup on and signed up for this year with him. You might as well you you did it yourself. Fucking yeah. ride it out with that. Ride it out with him. Fucking make a parade. Because I think at that point, and I, I'm standing on my uh my point, because I've been saying this, it's almost weak. Like you like you you signed up for this, you saw what a kind of a leader he is, saw what kind of a culture this is under him, and you said, Fuck it, we're gonna ride out with it while we got our fresh uh relative to the franchise, legendary QB, future all pro-type of QB that we're going to have building around for all these years, and we're going to commit to him as our leader. This is what you did. You you put the clown makeup on. You, you know, you sat in front of the mirror Joker style. You got to ride out with him. I'm sorry. Stay, Staley and Dennis Allen.
1: They're shaking hands.
0: Staley and Dennis Allen putting on the makeup behind the scenes together. They're
1: doing each other's clown makeup. I don't know who's, who, who's the bigger clown at the moment. I mean, it's so frustrating because when you look at the Chargers, the way Keenan Allen is playing the way Justin Herbert is playing like they should not be losing these games. And also Quentin Johnston. Oh, what a fumble of a first round pick. What I, I was never in on Quentin. I know you were a big Quentin guy. It has just been um kind of a brutal watch, uh, uh, frankly.
0: No. So I'm gonna tell you this because, you know, if you go back and you ever, if anyone ever finds the audio, what I was saying about the man, <laughs> I said I was very high on him because, look, again, I, I own all my mistakes, but I'm also going to bring it to you straight from the source. What I said was that I think that the reason he'll be so talented is because he was much like Devontae in a sense of, and hear me out, what I, what I, what I said is, is that he has these drop issues. I did think it was going to translate early into his career, but I didn't think it was going to be like this. Like, I thought he'd drop a few balls here and there. Yeah. The man drops like half the balls that come his way. And we saw, again, you, when you drop a ball like that, In that type of situation, those are those are like those are just like got to have it. Those Those are are the ones where even if a player is bad, they'll usually find a way to come down with it because it's like they know the moment. It's like you can't drop that
1: one. That's what I was about to say like that. That is like what players dream of. Like that's a ball that players dream of that never happens in the NFL. That's I think, again, you look at it. He's
0: thinking too much like he is. He's thinking way too much. He came in thinking I have a drop issue. Oh my god! I was drafted so high, and now it's going to be a problem. And you can see yeah, it's clearly eating at him. Like he he definitely is thinking way too much out there playing, and just not playing enough.
1: A hundred percent. I mean, I mean, you could look at the defense for the Chargers, who have been underperforming like hell. Joey Posa got carted off, but I'm seeing that it might just be a fracture. A I was waiting sp- on this. Yeah, yeah. Suffered a foot sprain and is going to be placed on IR.
0: See, but if you're a Chargers the last thing you want to hear, because again, with Joey, I'm sorry. I, this was one of those things where you got to call. I it mean, what Khalil it is.
1: Mack is not having the season he's having without Joey Bosa on the other side.
0: No, not at all. And I again, like, this is just a call for what it is. Situation is, is Joey Bosa at when he's playing consistently like an All Pro, great talent for sure. But what it is, what it is right now, man. Joey Bosa has not been living up to the contract in terms of he's not out there enough. Like you, you're paying, unfortunately, in a guy like Joey's position, he's one of those guys that's taking up so much cap room, and you're like. Oh, is it really worth it? I'm sorry. I'm just going to say for what it is, because if I was a Chargers fan, I'm at the position where it's like, yeah, Joey's awesome. He's out there. But really, he's out there like half the year, it seems like every year at this point. I mean, it's just like it's tough. Before we
1: go on to the Packers, is there anything you just want to get off about Staley? Well, yeah. Point?
0: So this has just been like we say, this has been our longest narrative, bro. This has been our longest narrative. I feel like this has been about a two year plus stint now. Yeah. But I think the writing was just on the wall. Like we've been saying again, man knows his ball, knows his defense. No, not never going to question that. He has this job for a reason. But when it comes to the leading the men being the guy who everybody has complete faith and trust in, like, is he going to be able to do all that? I again, that's where it came down to. And like you said, the way he gets mad, it's not even like it's not the way it's it's not like, uh yeah. And like a, a leader of men, like, no, it's like a very bitchy, like, whining, sour, solemn. woe is me type shit? And it's like, dude, you are the reason this has been the issue. And I wanted to bring up, just because it really grinded my gears. Genuinely, I want an explanation. What the fuck is Ian Rappaport, like, sucking up to Brendan Staley for? So, and you Because say he this. wanted to talk shit about Caleb. Few, I saw a comment on Twitter. I don't remember who it was. I give the shout out to the at. But they said, um, the tweet said something along the lines of, it was like, <laughs> it said like, oh, we're cucking for Brendan Staley and talking shit about a college
1: athlete in the same week. Like, that seems logical, Ian. So, like, you're on a
0: little bit of a weird little fucking stretch here, dude.
1: Yeah, I usually like Ian, but... I guess Brandon Staley and Ian Rappaport have the same agent. And uh, in that tweet, someone quoted and said, good try, puppet. That's what Tyler just sent us. In that's, chat.
0: But see, that's where it gets. That's where it made me so mad. Because, you know, it's not from the kindness of Ian Rappaport. It's hard no, to say no, it was like definitely that. some
1: agent stuff. It
0: was def- either some agent stuff or some personal stuff. But just because he's your boy, even if that is the case on the low, don't be giving me this shit because he's not here no. to be your boy. He's here to fucking provide wins for the city
1: of L.A. Not doing it. Um, yeah, so someone providing a win for the city of Green Bay is Jordan Love. He played pretty good.
0: I think, again, this like this is why I always said I'm never getting off the Jordan Love train because the Packers are just so bare bones. But then it's like when you see Jordan Love at his best, you're like, no, yeah, that's a guy that definitely still needs to be sticking around there for a little bit. Give him another shot. Give him some time for sure. Like that just is the Packers. And again, I'm very in that realm. The ads are talking shit to us as are talking shit. No, I'm very in that realm with, with, with Jordan love kind of like, I feel like a lot of bears fans are with Justin where it's like, you guys, I'm it's like, I'm on the opposite side of it. Where it's like, I'm, I'm, I have to side with the Packers guys in this one. This is definitely the best game of his career. Yeah. Where it's like, where it's like with, because that's the thing is I would feel the same about Justin. If you guys didn't have that pick, you guys are going to have where it's like the Packers are not in a situation like that though. So it's like with yeah. the Packers, I'm saying stick with Jordan. you feel it out. Give him at least another year for
1: sure. hundred percent. Christian Watson finding was, his own finally what the fuck are you doing I was bro? talking my shit I saw that his dad had some responses to the critics
0: his dad was talking shit back to me on the low Not flying but I <laughs> he put a breakdown like explaining something. I, I'm not even kidding I saw when I looked up Christian Watson this week I guess his dad had to come you know drop some knowledge and defend him hey same week look he wants to come out come get the touchdown again hey if you're a Packers fan you gotta love to see it you, now now you just want to see some consistency right I'm not going to gas him yet We see another good week next week. We'll see another touchdown next week. I'm I'm coming with a shout out for you, Christian. I'm coming with a shout out.
1: Even though it was a loss, it was a good game for the Raiders, especially since they are facing the Dolphins. So my question to you is, does this game say more about the Raiders or the Dolphins?
0: I think this game probably says more about the new Raiders regime, right? Because on top of it with how my narratives have been with uh, what I wanted to start saying about the Raiders is look, and I think every Raiders fan would agree with me on this at this point. Um, yeah, the Aiden O'Connell like hype and all that, it's fun. It was, it was fun for the fucking week it lasted or whatever. I think the reality is setting in that like, you probably aren't going to build around Aiden O'Connell in the future. Like no. You're probably in no man's land with this current roster with the QB situation. and You're going to have to really feel things out over the next few years. But if you're Antonio, you know, and you're looking and you're like, hey, hold on a minute. You know, maybe am I going to be able to stick around with this interim position and make it full time? I think he's definitely looking towards, uh, leaning towards that I would definitely start to consider it. The way that all the Raiders so quickly, like we said last week, have started shifting around this Raider way. And I think there's a clear identity. At least there's an identity change. The QB situation has no identity, but everything else about the Raiders has an identity. They are the Raiders again. If you're a Raiders fan, I think there'd be nothing more I'd be wanting. Than Antonio to get that extension as the head coach because oh, yeah. he's showing that he's bringing back that old school shit. You need that. That's what the Raiders have built and been built on for so long when they were successful. I'm saying, if anything, that's just my nerd about the Raiders. Is look, there's a lot of things about them in question about actually how the team's going to be going forward. But at least I think the regime. This might be the regime.
1: Well, I guess the thing too is like, look at Hunter Renfro. Like, why was he just excluded from the offense? That might have been the most telling thing about how much Josh
0: McDaniels can come in. And, and ruin actually something. ruin someone's like mental health. I, might, like, I mean, jokes aside, we won't even get into this because this is a whole soapbox. But now we can talk about it because he's not there anymore. The amount of things I've heard and everyone has isn't is like the secret. This is the best the best kept fucking what I'm saying. The most the worst kept se- secret. Yeah. Worst kept secret ever. But it's like, yeah, apparently Josh McDaniels is a really, 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 really tough guy to be around. Yeah. Like really tough to be around in the sense of like you're literally not going to feel like the same guy you were when you started working with him by the end of it. No. Which is really, if that's true or anything, hey, Josh, maybe you got some soul searching to do before you come back to the in in pro football, because obviously the, what I wanted to say, my point is Josh McDaniels knows his stuff. Josh McDaniels is a football mind. Josh McDaniels, at the end of the day, has a legendary career, but no matter how you want to slice it. I mean, he really does not had coaching career, but a coaching career. So it's like, hey, Josh, cut the BS, you know, get back in the league, but just do some soul searching. He
1: just seems like one of those guys that just like can't help themselves. Like, he's always just, like, putting himself in a hole. But, I mean, for what you saw out of the Raiders' offense, it it was impressive, and it makes you kind of realize, like, bro, they have Hunter Renfro, Jacoby Myers, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs. Like, they have a... Michael Mayer is I was even, just I like, was going to say, he's coming into his own like, for sure. They have all these weapons, and your team is just playing like shit. Like... At some point, you got to look at the scheme. Like, so that's why this brings me to my next point we
0: need to talk about. I don't know if you've been seeing the smoke been seeing the news, but apparently Devontae getting traded to the Jets. This yeah, season. yeah,
1: I've been, I've been seeing that. I'm going to say this. I mean, I mean, I'm buying into it
0: at this point because you know the Jets are starting to say to themselves, oh man, after this year, especially after this year, we need to do something to really reel those but, fucking but fans what, back in.
1: What capital are you spending? Like you have to fix the O-line. I think, no, I agree with that part completely, but I think that's also like,
0: hear me out like you were saying where it's like how are you going to pay those young guys soon enough especially where it's a guy like sauce to be honest the guy like sauce is probably not even going to wait until he is fully off the rookie contract a guy like sauce because i'm i'm saying from my perspective that was my client i'm saying hold on dude you can pull that whole stunt where it's like if i'm not you know you don't want to extend me now i'm just going to set out this year like you right. he's in a position where you can do stuff like that so you're going to start moving guys to feel out that cap space soon enough regardless I don't know, make some crazy moves where you ship they out. They got
1: 30 mil next year.
0: That's where it is tough, though. It's like you bring in Devontae, you're taking out a good, what, 15, 20 out of that chunk. And then you have to move around, like you said, for everything else you have to fix with the O line. I mean, it is definitely not the best situation, but at least 30 million gives you some wiggle room. It's not like yeah. wiggle room to try to, when you're trying to inc- incorporate Devonte. it'd be a lot without Devonte, but it'll be a jet. He will be. I I do have a lot of faith that that will be something. If I'm going to take one piece of news that that, I, that could be smoking wrong with it, I think this will be the
1: one. I think Devontae was like, okay, this isn't it. Um, moving on to the other side of the ball, Tua had a decent day. A-chan is hurt after I just traded for him. <sighs> that one hurts us. Uh, Tyreek hurt, but also went crazy. Like the Dolphins won only by a score, but they definitely should have won by more.
0: No, for sure. I mean, but again, I think this kind of goes along with like what we were saying about how am I blanking on what team it just was? I'm blanking, guys. Hold on, the Lions. <laughs> because the Raiders and the Lions at this point, shaking hands game. Because it's like, or not the Raiders. What am I saying? Hold on. The Dolphins and the Lions shaking hands. Because it's like,
1: yeah. You, they kind of are a similar like, team. You have yeah. to so yeah, you,
0: you gotta. These are the ones you have to, you know, fight out. Like, these are the games that you are going to... like. Every once in a while, you're going to play a shitty game. But if you can pull it out, you, you're, the, you're the guys that fight, make the last plays. It's all it comes down to. I mean, this is the National Football League. You're going to have weeks like this. This was just one of those weeks. And over to Tyreek, because I was going to say, uh, just a little stat, little nugget I had to throw out here. This is the third game this the season. 10 plus catches and one plus touchdown.
1: Tyreek Hills on a uh, just... He, I mean, he should hit 2,000 yards this year. If he doesn't, I'll be very upset. He said himself that was the goal. And
0: it's where it's like, you're looking at and you're like, it's going to be a tight race. But the way that him into a play, there's, they have a couple of weeks where he goes for 200 yards and you're like, hold on a minute.
1: I mean, it's so crazy he was a fifth round pick. Like I just, like one of the best of all time.
0: Going back to watch his college tape is definitely something insane. Yeah. Because he really is, you watch and you realize that how he fell that far because he looks so fucking small
1: out there. But it's like,
0: He's it's like built,
1: though. He's not like a skinny guy. No, it, it but is that's... just
0: so funny. Like, he is definitely one of the most uh, interesting prospects in history.
1: So, the Raiders franchise is looking up another franchise. Well, actually, two franchises that I don't really know where they're going New York Giants at Washington Commanders. Who has a brighter future as a franchise? Man, well, I would say I'm definitely going Commanders but I'll say this was the game. So that- so let me now, before you go, I want to propose this idea to you. Okay. While it may look like the commanders, I would also argue that the giants have a brighter future because you can argue that they have the coach in place. You can argue that they're going to have a top three pick and have their choice of a QB. And that they definitely have a ton of cap space. Whereas if you look at the commanders, they have a quarterback who has played well, but he's a fifth round guy. You don't know. They don't have a coach in place. It is a brand new ownership group. It is probably going to be a new GM. They have money invested on the defense. Their line is just okay, but they have money invested in it. They, their running back room is kind of mid. So it's like, realistically, the, the commanders have a better starting point, but I would argue the giants have more to work with.
0: Yeah, and because I think of it now, I'm hold on, I'm thinking, I'm like, because like you were saying, I would even say, I'd say for the commanders and the, uh, like, for not, I mean, not, not the giants too, but for the commanders offensive line and defensive line, I, it's kind of like, I don't really think there's much redeeming on there at all. No. Like, you're kind of in a really, really shitty situation, almost minus
1: Sam Howell. Oh, the Commanders least, actually have much more cap space next year. I lied. How much cap space are we looking at exactly? They have 90 million next year, and the Giants have 47 million. That's that's the thing, though, that does redeem them
0: a lot is because, yes, no, they're, they're going to have so much money. But again, you got to spend the money right. We saw how it is. Hey, look, not and it's not going to be them forever looking wrong, but like with the Bears, where it was like, we have all this money to spend. It's like, yeah. you know, just you spend all the money right away or spend a lot of money. doesn't mean you're getting instant results. Right. So... I will. So I'm gonna stick with it though. Yeah, I'm gonna go Commanders just because. Also, I think with Sam Howell, you're very confident you got a guy. I know for a fact, that all the Commanders fans out there would agree with that. So it's like at least when you got the guy, there's a lot of comfortability there. Even when I would compare it to like, uh, you know, I mean, again, I will use myself here. When when we had the shittiest Saints teams ever in like 2000, like the after the Bull era, and it was like where our defenses were terrible. It was like everything else was really bad, minus the whole line. It was like, well, you know what, we got Drew, and we're gonna figure it out. And I think yeah. like with you know, Sam is not Drew, but he's young got a lot of potential and you feel like you yeah we're gonna ride it out with sam i
1: mean. i would also back that up i think sam is i think i mean just what he's done like you can't take that away regardless how you feel about him like he has played like if i love him a lot of people don't like him because of the mistakes but i love a guy like a Jameis or like a sam howell that will just take the shots it's more exciting to watch like if you're gonna lose anyway at least make it fun like that's why the bears are so the bears were so frustrating it's like they would lose, but then they wouldn't even be fun to watch when they lose. So like Sam Howell, with what he's doing, you have to ride with him. Brian Robinson, like you put down, PPR machine. He has been playing like crazy. P- PPR
0: machine. And then, yeah, you know, I'll, I guess I'll throw it over to the Giants here real quick. I'll give a couple shout outs. Obviously, shout outs to Tommy DeVito. He's been, he's been talked about everywhere. I'm not going to go too much to that. Everyone's probably tired of hearing about Tommy DeVito. But shouts to Tommy DeVito regardless. 246 yards, three touchdowns, no turnovers. What a fucking day, man. For a third string rookie. That's awesome. I mean, that's just what a day, what a day. And then also, you know, I've been talking about, but Saquon Barkley, he needs his respects. I mean, this man is fighting on a just team where it's hard to go out there and fight for a team like that every week. <laughs> You're on the one year deal, all these things around it. But you know what? That man does not care. He goes out there and fights every single week like it's his last game. I respect that a lot. I peep that as a fan and I do respect that. And then Kayvon Thibodeau. He's been like sex crazy on the season. Uh, I would say not not elite yet because there's still a lot of things about him where he's out of position plenty of time and there's still a lot of things you want to see growing. But in terms of as a pass rusher and making splash plays, he's definitely really getting there and he's getting better and better. So Kayvon Thibodeau is definitely, if you're a Giants fan, something to be excited about, as you already knew,
1: but. All right, let me ask you this just before we move on. (sighs) Ron Rivera's gone, right? Oh yeah, no, this was the game that
0: solidified the fate. And I think, it's kind of like a lot of commanders fans have been saying, and I think I'm going to ride with their narrative. I think, to an extent, though, Ron Rivera's kind of just quiet quitted a while ago. Yeah, like, he I agree. he knows the writings I think Jack on the wall. Del Rio has too. Yeah, like it's that's if if I could picture the the vibe in the building right now, it's almost probably just like substitute teacher vibes. Like it's like yeah, like fuck it, like you know he what? He knows
1: he's gone. New ownership, he knows yeah, it. Yeah, and
0: he there's like a lot of things about it that's really tough. Like and you're you're getting great money this year. It's kind of like this might be last year coaching. Who knows where he's going to go after this year? getting up there, but yeah, I could definitely see him taking another stint too. It'll be interesting to follow on that, but
1: I don't think he'll ever get another coaching gig, but he can be definitely an assistant coach. Now, talk about one coach that's fired to another coach that may be fired. Dallas at Carolina, what is the percentage that Frank Reich makes it through this year?
0: I would say through the year, probably pretty high, but after this year, there's, I'm sorry, there's no way if I'm Tepper, I'm keeping him because, again, this is just let me be clear. Respect to Frank Reich. Uh, he's done a lot of good things in his career. A lot of things you can look up to. But I think he's shown, unfortunately, for him over the past few years that it's like you're a great, great position coach, good coordinator, not the not the head coach. It's fine. There's a lot of guys that are like that. I think he fits perfectly into that bill where he's just not that uh per se alpha leader. He's not that guy that's the commander of the locker room. And that's fine. I think that he's shown that I do believe that is the reality at this point. Frank Reich teams are very lethargic over the last few years of seeing him as the head coach. I, it's kind of like, at first, I want to give him a shot. Two years ago, I was not saying this when it was first, you know, like with the beginning of the stint. But now it's very clear to me, like Frank Reich teams are lethargic. And that's the reality situation at this point. Every Frank Reich team has been a lethargic mess, right? I mean, especially on offense. It's not changing. Take the play calling back. The play calling's even worse. I mean, it's like, it's like, I don't want to say I don't know where to start because I guess I'm already almost finished. Like,
1: the yeah. reality
0: is Frank Reich and the Panthers is not it.
1: No, no. Bryce Young has not played well, and I would argue more its situation than actually his play. He does have to play better, but to your point, and we talked about this last week, like, beyond Adam Thielen, there's just nothing there. Like, and the issue with Thielen, in my opinion, um, it's not actually an issue with him, but just more of, like, the overall team-building aspect is, like, They don't really have a second guy, like a second mentor. Like, if you're the number one receiver, like, there has to be some support at the number two, and there just isn't. Well,
0: and just back to, again, just 101 of let's be realistic for a sec. By the time the Panthers are in any type of competitive window, Adam Thielen is going to be on the door of retirement. Unless he's one of these other type of dudes that fucking plays at least 40, which you get like one out of every 5,000. I mean, it's like, what the? The chance of him being that guy is so slim. It's like, very slim. By the chances, yeah. So the reality is, by the time they're even competitive, that's not. He's not going to be even getting targets. So wh- I guess what I'm really trying to say is, what's the point of even building that relationship? Let's just call it for what it is, right? I mean, other than they just have to keep stalling ha- they have out to keep time him around, like. right? Like other than the fact that you're just stalling out, Bryce Knight being at it is literally the lowest fucking point he ever could be for a starting quarterback in the league. Him and Thielen, what's the point? I'm sorry, just what's the point? It's- All right.
1: Well, a bright side for the Panthers: another zero sack week. Psych. They suck there too. So again. They could have had two firsts for Brian Burns. You no, know, this gets worse and worse too. Cause Every they would have been Rams week. firsts. Bro, and imagine if he walks in free agency. Why would he re-sign there? Tepper is...
0: I know Panthers fans don't like the man. If I was a Panthers fan, I'd have some words for him, but I, it's like I'm not not affiliated. But all I'll say is if I was a Panthers fan, Tepper would definitely be catching 100 bars on the mic.
1: So, yeah. I mean, we can go to the other side. I think there's really not much to talk about because the offense dominated like they should have. Dak Prescott's been hot. CD's been hot. Parsons has been on. Der- Der- Deron Bland has been on. Deron like,
0: Bland is playing at a level. I'll give him a shout to real quick though. I mean, Deron Bland's playing on a level we haven't really seen a corner plan in a long time. He's been at, he's been on a just a tear. Not not just locking shit down, but making the plays on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some Stefan Gilmore defensive player of the year type season going on for him. But no, I'm sorry, keep going.
1: No, I I don't have much to say. I just the the Cowboys played how they should have played against this team. Yeah, this is exactly what you'd expect if you if you're a Cowboys fan. All right. Now, I don't really have much to say, but I'm going to read you this comment about on the Dak Prescott video that we posted last week. So I said, when he plays when we when he plays good, he's definitely top 10. But when he plays bad, he's He's bottom 20. Like he, like when Dak Prescott doesn't play well, he said, bottom 20, I would say you're smoking crack, but that would be a fence to crack. Dak isn't just top 10. He's at least top five. So far, Lamar, Jalen, and maybe Mahomes are having a better season than Dak. He's playing on full throttle. He had a game or two with some nasty interceptions, but if you're following the development of the Tex Coast offensive scheme they've implemented this year, you would know what's good. Top five is stretching it. He has played great, but top five is stretching it. Well, I was just going to say, no,
0: that, this is, the, again, the reality is, no, nobody said, let me also be clear about this. Nobody said that Dak's playing like the bottom 20 QB more often than he's playing like, like the top 10 one.
1: It's just when he plays bad, it's
0: bad. Yeah. And if you know, I'm sorry. And the reality is, yeah, if you're going to sit here and try to defend that, you're just lying because
1: you can still be a good quarterback and have those very volatile days. He's not even the second best quarterback in his division right now. Sam Howell is statistically playing better. That's what again what we were talking about last week. And again, is Dak a good QB? Yes, but also is Dak
0: uh prone to having incredibly poor days? Yes, like the reality is true, and. Not and this is the thing where I want to be clear where people are going to try to get at me here. Like, well, you just you've been saying one of my narratives this whole episode is like teams are going to have bad days. Yeah, there's a difference. I said teams are going to have bad days, not days where the quarterback just completely shits the bed and foils the game plan throwing to hang defenders the whole game, which is the Dak special, unfortunately. And I'm not even trying to I wish it was not that way. That man has been my fucking dynasty QB for three years. Hey, I'm just calling for what it is.
1: The Cowboys are gearing up to look like they might be able to make a Super Bowl run after what they just did in Carolina. Next game, Tennessee at Jacksonville, are the Jaguars built for a Super Bowl run? Here's what I'm going to say
0: about this. The Jaguars have showed us they are so, so volatile. But when you play in a day where you have 250-plus passing yards, 100-plus rushing yards, and no turnovers like they just had against the Titans, say you can do that four games in a row, you got a shot to beat anybody. And if Calvin Ridley can stay hot like he did. Like, this, this was the blueprint. For the best way the Texans can earn I said the Texans. I'm mixing up teams now in this, in this, in the uh, South Division. over here. But my point is, is look, the 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 Jaguars have got to start balancing the game plan more. I feel like that we get into these rhythms where they'll start getting very pass heavy for almost no reason. And I'm watching and I'm like, guys, 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 like let's get back to balancing it out. You got ETN, you got Bigsby, you got good running backs, you got the You like, like use these guys, just run the ball because That's where Trevor's at his best when he doesn't have to be throwing the ball 40, 50 times a game. I feel like the Jaguars get too much into those rhythms on offense where they just want to sling it. Doug Peterson just gets itching to to throw a bunch of play action and a bunch of shotgun out there. And hey, when it's working, it works. But I feel like a lot of the times the trend I see with the Jaguars is let's just keep it balanced. When the Jaguars are playing balanced, they're very, very hard to beat. But you got to stay balanced. That's just my, that's the narrative I'm going to take from this
1: game. Yeah, they just have so much skill everywhere. Like even on the defense, like kind of what we talked about, they're just like very volatile. They're hit or miss. On the other side of the ball, on the other side of the field, Will Levis has been looking promising, but the Titans are just like, it feels like, here's what the the Titans feel like to me. It feels like this year, they just should have went in on the rebuild. And now you're throwing in a rookie who is going to be basically a year ahead of the teardown. So like this team may be worse next year. So it's like, why would you still, I don't know. I just think it may have almost been beneficial for Tannehill to finish the year out.
0: No, that b- minus the fact that this is very exciting and it's probably going to help selling tickets early on next year. Because I guess no matter, that's kind of stupid of me to say, no matter what teams are going to be excited, you're excited yeah, to see team yeah. early in the year. But you get what I'm saying. Like, there will be a lot of hype now, and Texans fans are, Titans fans. I'm mixing up all these teams. Why about the Titans, Texans? My tongue's getting tied over here. Look, yeah, Titans fans are going to be very excited next year. Whereas I don't think you'd have that same excitement. It'd be very like teeth chattering, like, I'm sorry, I'm so scared to see uh, Levis. Yeah, like, yeah. where it's like, now you're like, all right, I, I've got confidence to go see Levis. I'm excited to go see Levis. At least you got that going for you. But I'll say I'll be the one to raise the question, right? We were we were saying it when it happened, but I'll, I'll re-raise the question. Signing D Hop, uh, well, minus the fact that look, you you gave your your young guys, I'm sure, a security blanket. Yeah, yeah. From his perspective, I guess it still does not really make much sense. But then he just was only chasing the bag. Like I don't, I think that guess how long was the contract? That's why I have two to go. years. So I'll say because you got him for another year after this year my main note about this game is, yeah, you have got to address the receiving core for this year. And the like, offensive line. It is unserious. It is genuinely unserious. Like, it, especially when you have a guy like Will Levis, you couldn't give time. You could borderline not give Tom Brady this receiving core to his peak on the Patriots. He might not be able to carry these boys. With Will, Will Levis this young in his career, you, you got to give him some other options. And he looks very good with these options. That's why I'm saying. It's like almost like I feel bad. Like this is unserious football right now. Not that this core... I'm not trying to drag anybody's name through the mud, but there hits a point where you can't have guys that are fourth strings, third strings on most teams on the field for
1: 95% of the game. It's just, it's not going to work. Well, right? also it's like, like, you see, like, Vrabel dropping these, like, weird quotes and press conferences and shit, like... Wait, fill he, me in, because I'm not even he basically your said your said like, I actually have not seen these quotes. He basically said, like, the Jaguars played better, they were better coached, and, like, my thing is, like, I understand, like, admitting when you got beat. And I think that's actually a respectable thing to do. But I would never admit to the other team being better coached. Like, that is weird. I f- Here's my thing. I think it is, but almost got to ask yourself.
0: I don't think he's talking about his coaching. Like, I think he's basically no, saying to the ownership group, like, these position group coaches, no, man, I, like I not know. as well. Like,
1: you know what I mean? I, not, okay. And this has been just talked about very, very, like, lightly. And it's all rumors. But, like, with Bill Belichick, like, being probably on the move after this year, I mean, there's a chance there's an opening in New England. And, like, Rabel played football there. Like, he may want to go to New England. I mean,
0: are you kidding? I, I'm, I'm saying, like, in the sense of if you gave him the option, like, yeah, he, I'm sure he's very happy with everything he's built in, in Tennessee. Tennessee. He's actually done a fantastic job over there. But then on the other hand, I mean you'd be lying to say he wouldn't consider the damn thing. No, I don't know anything about his internal morals and how he feels about Tennessee. All I'm saying is you'd be crazy to think he wouldn't consider it.
1: Yeah, well, you got two teams here who one team may have their quarterback, may have a coach. It's kind of the same theme for the next game. Arizona at Houston. Can CJ Stroud be MVP this year? Yes, I'd say this game, unfortunately,
0: was one where in the recency bias, you're going to say to yourself, like, did this hurt? Did this hurt his chances because of the the interceptions? But I wanted to like point out a note. One of them was very much like really not his fault, right? Like right. tip ball, it is what it is. The other two, yes, they were not the best decisions. But one of them was definitely very 50-50-ish. Like the defender either was not going to make a play or Nico was going to make the play. Or you know what I'm saying? The defender's either going to make the play or Nico's going to make the play. Like 50-50 ball. The other one was bad ball. But it's also like, I know that every once in a while it was bound to happen where CJ was finally going to try to force something. He's human. Like you're going to try to force something when you're frustrated, no matter how good of a quarterback you are. When you consider right now the the Texans where they stand and the optic of where we viewed them at the beginning of the year right now, there's no way CJ's not top three in the MVP race. If you're being honest. I mean, I would argue that he's probably
1: one of the most. I would say he has to be. No, like, I, we thought they me. were gonna have three wins. I'm an honest guy. I literally said three
0: wins. I've always been my L's. Obviously, fat ass Allen the year. He is
1: having like the best rookie year ever for a rookie QB. And like, like you said, like they're they're not winning with like, like a like they're not winning with Derek Carr. They're not winning with Mac Jones. They're not winning with Desmond Ritter. They're not winning with Kenny Pickett. Like they're not winning with those guys. Like CJ Stroud is. Look at the receiving core. What's well, like? on so many things.
0: Like. Let's call. Let, let's just be honest for a second. Mine is Laramie Tunsil. Maybe George Fant. Maybe George Fant too. Like, who on the O line are you really for sure you're still going to actually stick to long term? Like your entire interior, you're probably uh,
1: replacing Howard. I would say maybe. maybe did they did they resign him? I it says the thing is, I,
0: you, I have to look in. You know, I, I'm gonna have to look into that. But I feel like either way, when as long as it wasn't for a ton of money, you know, can sign, saying, like you, know you it's like you could turn them depth. Yeah. You know what I mean? You kind of like move around. I feel like you're looking at a sense where in the interior you might be looking where. All these guys might be replaced eventually. Yeah, the receiving core, you got good names, but you definitely could upgrade it. But that's what I'd be worried about. My my main point is I'm saying here is look, you're going to have, you have tons of work to do on the O line. You got tons of work to do on the D line. You got good edge rushers, but the interior, I think you still got a lot of work to do. You definitely still got work to do on, like, yeah, I'll say Blake Cashman's playing fantastic. Christian Hare's playing good. You definitely still could add another linebacker, you know, a little bit better, probably placing Littleton this year. Safety situation's not great. Like, corner situation's good, but definitely improvable. Like, there are so many things about this team that are not anywhere near where they should be. I feel like to be playing where they are right now is really what I'm trying to say right now.
1: Well, I think another thing, too, is like they had absolutely an amazing draft like CJ Stroud, Will Anderson, Shru- Scruggs, who we haven't really seen that much. But maybe of. that's maybe he will be probably that's maybe their plan the new is, center. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, Dell. And then they just got a ton of depth at the later rounds like ha- they had a great draft. Regardless if you want to argue what they gave up for Will Anderson. You know, but. this
0: is what I wanted to use as my example here for um, uh, we'll, we'll back to our uh, clown painters, uh, Staley yeah. and Dennis Allen. There's you see a guy who's not a clown painter. Like you see like a guy like Dimbigo come in oh, no, and even with nothing. He says, no, fuck that. We aren't losers. Yeah. You motherfuckers understand me. We don't lose. Like there's a there, there's a mindset change that happens when you have the alpha fucking dog come in and everyone goes, wait a minute wait, wait, we're better than we thought we were. Like he elevates us. See guys like Dennis Allen and fucking <laughs> and Steve. They, yeah. they do the opposite. They actually like, they, 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 they take guys that should be elevating and then they start to like, they, they take certain things away from them and they, they mitigate them and they, they, they just be careful out there and they fucking take away their instinct. They make them way shittier. Yeah, it's literally glaring. Like, you either have guys that elevate them, you either elevate your players, or you're a fucking pansy who makes your players start playing without instinct, and everything just goes to shit. I'm trying to to make it so black and white, but you see the cultures. Even even Jonathan Gannon. You're either an aggressive team, an aggressive culture, or you're very fucking lackadaisical and very careful. And we see which one, I'm just calling for what it is, we see which one is the one that gets results in the
1: modern NFL. Yep, I mean, there's no chance Damian Pierce gets his job back, right? Like, Devin Singletary is just outperforming him in every way so far, so... The, the Texans run game, again, for not having a good O line. Like you gotta love the way this Texans and run Devin game scheme. Singletary? Like
0: I mean, you could see this as like how much was he being misused in Buffalo. The, the, Buffalo's had no run game forever. And this is just adding to the narrative. Yeah. It's actually getting hilarious.
1: Um, other side of the ball, I mean, Will Anderson's been playing good. Cashman, like you said, like Cashman
0: he, needs to credit. Like, this man is playing probably like the uh, best linebacker in football right now, Singletary, and nobody talks about him. Like
1: Singletary had a pick, too. Right? No, uh, Stingley. You mean Stingley. Stingley? Stingley. I was getting confused. Bad, I, was like, I was like, wait a minute. Singletary's out there.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, because I, I want to talk about it real quick. Where Stingley's been a little disappointing. I think we can agree. I really had Stingley pegged out as like, that's a future all pro player. Yeah. A little bit of a LSU homer bias. And I know for the fact the injury he had in his senior years is a big reason he's never panned out to being the corner I knew he could be. Mm-hmm. But regardless, he's definitely improving a lot this year, first couple seasons. And you're seeing flashes that you weren't seeing. So that's also got to be exciting for a Texas fan.
1: They just have very promising pieces, young pieces on the other side of the ball. Um, Going to the Cardinals side, I think kind of like going to that theme is like the Cardinals, even though they don't have the wins, have played better than what they're supposed to be. You see what Gannon's going to bring. Yeah, yeah, you you see it. Um, Kyler Murray has looked really good these last two weeks, honestly, like better than I would have expected. I was going to
0: say, when you come back, not only from the injury, but in midseason when you had not really any time to get going with the guys, I would say Kyler's showing me like everything you want to see. And again, we talk about intangible things. If I'm going to stick around you, you have to show me something intangible that no one else is going to give me. Like I said a few weeks ago, Kyler gives you like he he has a different type of scrambling ability than anyone else in the league. He's not as fast as Lamar. He's not as strong as Jalen Hurts, but he's as nimble as anyone else. He's definitely someone you I think would commit to building around because of his unique skill set. Also, it's they, almost like, why would you not? Right. Like with yeah. the draft capital, you're already going to oh, have
1: and stuff. There, there's no point to honestly, like he's young enough where it's like you can and you already have the contract in place. It's like, what are you going to do? Like throw away this guy for the next guy? Like, he
0: showed you. You can go on win streaks with him. Like, yes, oh, was, yeah. was it was it early season stuff. Was it was it where the second half of the season fell apart? Just reverse the order, like just start it off slower and start getting hot at the end of the year. The Cardinals are sure they can go on streaks. They can win with Kyler
1: and the Cardinals have pieces in the receiving room. Greg Dorch, Rondell Moore, Trey McBride, Marquise Brown, like. They're there, and their defense too has played and Michael well.
0: Wilson too, like I know he's been a little quiet these past couple weeks, whatever, yeah. whatever he's dealing with. But he'll be back.
1: He's been good. Um, yeah, no, they're um kind of what you were saying, like the Cardinals played like they've been playing all year, just with Kyler. Now the next draft will mean a lot for them. Um, and yeah, you you put down that Jalen Thompson.
0: Yeah, I'd give a shout to Jalen Thompson, the, the the one
1: sack, the one pick day. I mean, that's awesome. Shout out to Jalen Thompson, man. So. With Stroud playing like an MVP, you can look to the other side. As he was the number two pick, we're gonna go to Tampa Bay at San Francisco with Mister Irrelevant. Now, let me ask you this: because Purdy's been playing very, very well, does Purdy have to play like a top ten quarterback in order for San Francisco to make a run at the bowl or to win the bowl? I'll say it's an interesting question. I think. Because like well, number one, how bad can the quarterback play be for them
0: to win it? This is where I think it's so interesting year in the sense of a lot of other years. I think you we would look at the Niners and say like they would be the no doubter, like the favorite out of this out of the conference. Like the Niners are so well built that it's like to answer the question with where I, this is not my actual answer. You got I'm saying it would be my answer if it wasn't for a certain somebody in Philly. So you stick with what I'm saying. Where it's like normally you could kind of coast by. And it kind of like he didn't have to play perfect until the bowl. And, and we can kind of ride it out against worse teams. And as long as our defense plays really well, run game works really well. But when you come up against Philly, like I do think he's going to have to play lights out football. That's going to be the one where it really comes down to just like last year. We didn't get to see how it was going to go last year. Right. That's almost like you're looking at it in a sense. If you're an NFC fan, you're saying to yourself, is it certain? Absolutely not. But you're saying I got about a 75% chance I'm looking at that come right before February, late January. I'm going to be watching the San Francisco 49ers walk into that walk into Philly stadium and I'm going to be watching a fucking dog fight because that's just how it feels at this point.
1: Yeah. I mean, Brock Purdy has been playing lights out recently and it's like for the value, you really can't complain. And it's like what there's no improvement that you would get in the market right now.
0: No, this is best. Like we've been saying, this is best case scenario where like we say though, too, if you're the Niners, this has got to be the year. It Rock's has to not be. taking like you got lucky that he didn't tell you you motherfuckers I need the bag this year like he could have very easily. He literally that. said blessings to Niners Nation, blessings y'all gave me a shot. I'm respected. We got I'm gonna ride one more year on this piss pay contract with the production I'm giving you. But him and his agent just sit down this offseason and and they're gonna have a, t- a hard heart and be like, bro, not only do you need to get paid, but I gotta get paid keeping you as my client. Like let's make something work here because if I'm not just gonna let you just walk out there get hurt. Go from being able to claim fifty million. Well, that, he's not going to take that. You, you being able to go demand forty, thirty million from this team to being to having it shoot down to to nothing because we don't even know what your future is. Fuck that. He's going to say let's let's sit down, let's figure out a good number, let's go to the Niners front office and let's make a deal happen. Yeah. there's no way that's not going to be the case. And it if has he stays to happen because
1: year. you're going to have to also pay Iuke at some point and Debo just got paid. So it's like, what are you going to do with that? I mean, like Kittle's getting older, Trent Williams getting older. Like this is the narrative we stayed with. Like the, the Niners really have to do it this year.
0: No, like I don't think because I, I will keep saying it where I think Niners fans are kind of, I've been in this territory before. I know how it is. You're so in the moment of Fuck it, we're dominant right now. It do not matter. You, it do not matter. Cause I know I'm going to watch my team play good next week. But you gotta start thinking to yourself, like, after this year, if this isn't the year, like there is really gonna be ramifications. When that paycheck comes for Brock Purdy, there's a big difference yeah. when you're paying a guy two hundred and like what what like two mil over the year. with I'm sure, like total, like two million mil yeah, yeah. versus the 40, 30 mil he's gonna demand. I'm sorry, like the, you will see the difference in the cap. You will you will see a big difference when you gotta, like go even just a couple guys, it makes all the difference. That's well, all I'm gonna say.
1: I mean, obviously the injury on the other side of the ball to Hufunga is big like he played really really well um Jair Brown stepped
0: in though and like I had to give a shout out to him really 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 impressive yeah for stepping and getting your first like real reps not his first reps that you're like really the first real defensive reps
1: and you also have Nick Bosa and Chase Young on the other side of the ball and it's just like I don't really know how much there is to say on the Niners other than the fact that like they are a superpower that just hasn't been able to get it done in the in, in the big game and this is really their chance because if you think about it, like they're not the same core as they were when they played um, the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, where Jimmy G overthrew that guy. But it's like the remnants of that team is kind of still around, and it's like at some point it's going to be like, okay, they just didn't, they couldn't do it. No,
0: that like that's like this year really does have to be the year because also when you said it made me start thinking, uh, you know, when there's certain somebody else they're gonna have to resign after this year. Uh, a man by the name of Chase Young, who they just traded for. If they want to keep him, yeah. Well, that's the thing, too, is like, you got to keep him at this point. I mean, if you just traded out, if you spent your two last third round picks on Jake Moody and Chase Young, I mean, and you got nothing, like, you, you resign
1: him. Yeah, that's just, true. It's just terrible optics. Um, going to the other side of the ball, Todd Bowles, warm, warm seat. Warm I would say, seat, Mr. Bowles. I, I've noticed,
0: no, it's not warm, bro. I, I know I wrote it as that. I have to correct myself. It is literally a seat that is smoking on fire. Because I didn't know Bucks fans were so on the Fire Bulls train until last night. After I did my notes, but I was taking a look over on Bucks Twitter. They literally are at their breaking point. You I didn't think? know. I didn't know it was like this. There's literally hashtag Fire Bowls. You know, bro, it's to the point where they have fucking fan made photo shitty photoshops. Like, like All it's to the point Bowls. where forty year old dudes are buying Photoshop to make it. <laughs> so you know it's getting very bad. Like shitty edited hashtag Fire Bowls, Minimal, like like little effects added on, I'm literally seeing those all of my social media feed. It's getting to the point where you know.
1: I think that has to do with our narrative. Like, they don't have an identity. They probably should have sold this year at the deadline and they didn't. And, you know, they have some talented uh, young guys like you put Yaya Diaby had three sacks. Kalijah Kansi has looked nice like but at the end of the day, like Levante Davis, that's baby, why you should have shipped gone. out the old
0: guys like, now. Like you literally already have good young pieces. It makes it even worse when you when you look at it like that. Even if, not if you like ship, ship out Evans, bones. you still have Godwin. It, it, let's call for it is regardless though. Why not? Why didn't you? Sh- why didn't you ship out both? Because like, I'm sorry,
1: they could have got a good return. Bucks fans are
0: going to hate to hear that, but honest, Bucks fans, are, honest Bucks fans that know their ball know that I'm being completely serious and that I'm also right because the reality is yes then football shit that hurts the most is usually the stuff that you had to do and like and that's the shit where you would have been like that really hurt but then when we got a bunch of really good receivers in the next like and you actually could have rebuilt it quickly
1: you'd say to yourself oh well i'm very thankful we did that but now you're not gonna be able to say that well the thing is too is like baker mayfield is playing like pretty good like he's like he's at basically 2400 yards 15 touchdowns like he's on pace to be on one of his better seasons of his career. So it's like, if you are, you know, if you have a quarterback who's playing in the top 15, top 18, it's like the the, the room for improvement is not very big.
0: I'm so, I'm so glad you brought this up because this actually thinks the thing that if I was a Bucks fan would irk me the most because you're spot on. This is where it gets crazy is you bring Baker kind of on a little redemption tour, like really surprising a lot of people. And it's funny because then you get a lot of people saying like, well, fuck it. If ba- you know Baker's not the future, this is stupid. But really, it's not the issue. What's funny is, is if you shift out the guys that I'm saying and you got a lot of draft capital and you go into this offseason with a little bit of money and you got options, you could really have built this O-line up quickly, give Baker a good O-line. But now Baker's stuck with the same boo-boo O-line, minus Tristan Wirfs. And it's like, what are we doing? Like, you could have given a QB who's heavily overperforming a lot more help, scrapped the receiving corner a little bit, built it up, you can build the receiving core up rather quickly In my opinion. It's like, I'm, I'm sorry. It was just that this, this in my opinion was a heavy fumble of the future.
1: Baker is on pace to have thrown for the most yards in his career this year. If he stays on pace and he'll be right up there with touchdowns as well. Like literally one short. Um, Also, he's kept the interceptions down really low. Like, Baker has played very well for the contract that he was given. Oh, and the Bucs, I'm just calling for what it is. They have minimal run game too. Like, yes, yeah, so they have a couple weeks this year
0: where they'll show up. and But its I feel like it's very volume based. Like we know yeah, the yeah. Bucks in they run for a lot of yards. They also ran the ball like 30, 40 times. You never watch like, it's never a day where it's like, yeah, well, they just ran the ball for 12, 12 times and pan out 80 yards. Like, it's not like that. Like the, the run game, you have to go to it a ton for it to be there. It's just the way they play offense is so archaic right now. Part of the problem. Bucks, sorry, man. Just no identity. They are definitely in the identity territory.
1: We went from the number two overall pick to Mr. Irrelevant to another number two overall pick. And uh, New York Jets at Buffalo is the Zach Wilson era over. That This was something I really did want to talk about this week. Probably something I was... maybe I don't want to say
0: excited to talk about because it actually hurts me it's deeply. Sad. But I, I was interested to talk about it. I'll leave it at that. Because what about this season, if you're a Jets fan, probably stings the most is like, yeah, you had the bull hopes and everything that I wouldn't even get into that's already obvious with Aaron Rodgers. But push that aside for a second. I think the cherry on top of the misery, the misery cherry, the shit cherry on top of this whole <laughs> shit Sunday at this point, is that not only is all that, but now Zach Wilson, the the contingency hopeful future you had, like, you know, what if we, what if we can Jordan Love him? You know, type of type shit. And, and you can have a best case scenario. And after the, after the, that, that Rodgers brings home the Lombardi and all said and done in the future. Oh my God. Now we have Zach Wilson to come out and redeem it. Like that shit's dead. Like that's where it really hurts is because now that contingency for the future on top of the beautiful vision you already had for yourself. It's just not existent because this, this, this was definitely the, uh, the universe saying out loud Zach Wilson in, in New Jersey and the New York jets, the whole, the whole The whole meme, the whole—it's not a thing. He definitely won't start a game again. And the Jets is not a thing, and that's where it really hurts because the media over there where already know how that is. Where there's such a terrible relationship, there's like it's unsalvageable. Like it went from being where Zach had a future in New York, New Jersey. You get the memes. Now he has none of that. Like now, now it's like
1: now where Zach's new home is going to be something to keep our eye on. Well, also it's just like to say the Jets offense is bad is an understatement dude they're unwatchable like it's, it's like really, really bad
0: because like you were saying last week i actually want to bring this up i mean tell me feel the same way I, it's really getting to the point where i am starting to i feel bad i mean like like i'm with you where no, i love football so much where it's like no matter how bad a game is you, i feel like i can stay tuned in yeah but the Jets are really starting to push my boundary where it's like, I actually really start like starting to struggle, like staying tuned into the Jets game. Like I'll catch myself on my phone so much during the Jets game. And I'm like, dude, I can't be doing this because I, I genuinely watch every game intently. But they are just so boring, like yeah. subconsciously that I really do catch myself not even paying attention a lot because it's so not, and not boring is not right. It's actually not boring because I love football. It's so predictable garbage. That It's not fun to watch like you know exactly what's going to happen you like the Jets truly are at a point where you can know exactly what's coming with the way they line up you're like ah we've seen this about 40 times over the last two weeks
1: we've seen this about 20 times today like it's it's such predictable garbage at this yeah. point. Well also you got to think about it like in this way Dobbs at some point like someone tweeted this and I can't remember who it was but they are like, at some point this Jets defense is going to break. Like they've been bending all year and keeping them in games. Like at some point they're going to break and be like, you know what? Like we're doing all of this, putting our heart on the line. And it's like the offense can't do, they can't produce a touchdown. Like that's what's so impressive about this defense is because not only are they, it's been
0: overstated. Like we all know they're a dominant defense, but what I feel like hasn't been overstated is it's not just the fact of how good they are schematically and how talented they are. The effort level they bring, even when they are literally getting decimated because of how bad their offense is and they can't do anything, they still bring the fucking boom all yeah. game long. Like, I never once watched them and I'm like, yep, they, they, they're quiet quitting or they're giving up. Like, no, they are going to hit somebody as hard as they can down 26 just because that's their identity and that's how they want to play football. Yep. Whereas that's what hurts you so much if you're a Jets fan is it's like, if our offense can even literally revert about 15% of that same energy, we would be above 500 right now. But Nate Hackett and Zach Wilson as a tandem are the most incompetent offensive duo in history. I actually, I'm willing, that's one of my hot take of the day. That worse is, than Russ and Nate Hackett? Oh no, this is so much worse because I feel like with, at least with Russ, you could always, and it, we'll go back, I even I have to name your pulps from these highlights over the, years now, over the last year because I feel like there's at least plenty of redeemable moments now in hindsight where Russ really would save Hackett. Like Russ every once in a while yeah. would dial up an Audible that helps something.
1: I it's think like, we're seeing that this year too.
0: Yeah, it's like, and that's the thing. Sean trusts him to do that shit. But then, for, whereas, yeah, we're example exactly with with Nate Hackett this year. and You get a guy like Zach who has no idea, really, not no doing, idea, but he's yeah. not not comfortable enough in the offense. Not they don't have enough faith in him. He doesn't have faith in it. Like you're seeing what happens when you don't have somebody who can do that. It's it takes a terrible offense that was already terrible and it makes it literally the worst. I probably. The worst. Uh, any Jets fan has ever seen.
1: Garrett Wilson's playing like garbage, and it's not his fault, but it's just the offense. Worst I game mean, of his career for sure. Brees Hall has been even his running stats are not good. It's it's really receiving that because the O line is so terrible it's too. Like That's
0: where I'm saying like there's so many things where normally an offense would have something redeemable. If the pass game sucks, the O line's fun to watch. If the O line sucks, the quarterback's fun to watch. The receivers are fun. Like they have right now, nothing besides when Garrett Wilson wants to turn into an acrobat. It hasn't been happening because to your point, like where's the motivation on his end to go make a special play when they like, there's so much that goes into it psychologically. Like why is it when everyone else be breaking their back when the offense can't produce a touchdown? Like it,
1: it yeah. doesn't add up. So the Jets offense is dead. Um, another team in New York just fired their offensive coordinator and it looked like they had a little bit of a spark this game. Who knows if it keeps up, you know how that shit goes. Usually after a game or two, it might fall off, but it definitely looked better. It did, but I also want to like.
0: I'm gonna be on the whole like you gotta kind of gotta pick a side on this one. Yeah, I think I'm on the Ken Dorsey sympathizer side. Same, same. Because it's like you watch the Bills this year and last year, and I think it's very easy to be like this, this whole. This is like this weak narrative everybody's jumped onto. Is it's like it's all Dable. It's all look. I do think that yes, to an extent, like certain habits that were that get taken out innately when he left. When he left, you can see and all these things. Like I'm not saying that's not not anything to do with Dable leaving. But it's just absolutely lazy to put all yeah. this on Ken Dorsey. Yeah, where no. because Josh Allen wants to turn in to a fake uh, blindfolded Mahomes every once in a while and like try to be a hero and or because the running backs can't hold on to the football like that. It's Ken Dorsey's fault. Like I just feel like that's lazy. Like that's where the, it was a bit, of, in my opinion, an incredibly lazy firing because I feel like that this is. Yes, it was a spark week, but it's also like. The Jets are so bad with no life that, yes, as amazing as their defense is, it's almost like you're going find, find, to find a way to put up points eventually. And I feel like, like a few people were saying, this looked like a Ken Dorsey game to me. Like, this looked still like how the Ken Dorsey offense looked. It's just, I think it was, like a, but it was like a, it was like a raw, raw, like, type exactly of day. Like, yeah. And I think too, it's not even talked about enough. Because I think it, Dorsey it was the scapegoat. He was, and that's what I'm about to get into next, where I, I want to hear your opinion on this, because I think psychologically, we're at a point where I think Stefan Diggs is really in everybody's head in that locker room. Yeah. Nobody's gonna come out and say it. But it's almost like uh it's almost like that family member that you rely on so heavily. What do you it's like I mean, if you're a young kid, it's like you rely on so like they do a ton for you. You can't. But at say the same anything. time, they're like really sometimes they're making your life hard in some aspects, and you really want to speak up, but it's like nobody wants to because you're like, well, I want to have this, this. Like, that's like Stefan Diggs in their locker room. <laughs> like it's like It's an
1: abusive home. No,
0: I mean, like, literally, they're at a point where they're I like, they're they they know they need to speak up, they want to speak up, but. They don't want to make him step away even more than they feel like he already is. Like It's a weird situation going on there psychologically.
1: Luckily, Kincaid has stepped up these last couple games, so it has allowed maybe to take the pressure off Diggs, um, especially with Shakir playing well, too. Um, But I know what you're saying. Like That's a thing where it's like, if the Diggs thing explodes, it feels like everything could just go south for the Bills, and it's a shame because their defense have actually been playing pretty well.
0: Their their defense has been the highlight there, I say, this season, which is very weird because not that they weren't a, a good unit before, but they weren't being a good unit to, I'd say, a great unit. Yeah. But then it's like, yeah, that's the Bills thing has been this whole year, as you know, for me, like they just don't have much consistency. Right. Is this the start? Right. We, we're we going to have to address this again next week because I'm not with the Bills. I literally will not. Even if they do it two weeks in a row, I won't get hyped. It's going to take at least three or four in a row. Yeah.
1: Leonard Floyd's two and a half sacks on day, nine and a half on the season. Rasul Douglas, good addition at the deadline. Like, I, mean, I would say
0: amazing. Like, that really might have been the, the trade of the trade deadline in terms of like value for another team. I yeah. mean, this man came in and his like immediately went from being like, yeah, he was helpful, we know, on the Packers to like, oh my goodness. Like,
1: this man is out here as their number one corner. I mean, so this game mattered a lot to the Bills. Let me ask you this Seattle at Los Angeles Rams. How much did this game matter for the Seahawks?
0: The, this is the one where like, I've had this the one a yeah. few times over the past few years as a Saints fan when we were when we were used to be good at trying to make deep playoff runs. Where I'll tell you, you look back and you're like, man, that was the one where we we maybe could have had home field advantage. We maybe could have had the bye or however you want to look at it. Like we maybe could have had a better seed. That's going to be the one you look back and you're going to for sure say that was the one we really blew. Like because that's inevitably at this point almost with the way the NFC is trending, unless you win out, like even if you did, you're still looking at a bleak situation for anything at getting a bye week. It's like the Seahawks kind of. I don't want to say bleak actually with the 49ers, but you, could, you, know, you get what I'm saying. Like they're not, it's not favorable anymore. There's really
1: no chance they win the division. Yeah.
0: It's like, this was really, th- this one really stinks. And it's because why, why it really stinks? Too, is it's really not even anybody on the Seahawks fault. Like it, you really can't mitigate Gino for hurt. Gino getting yeah. hurt, not being able to throw the ball the same. Anyone drew lock, like drew had what seemingly, yes. Like the interception was bad, but I'll say <laughs> this. There also was a throw. He tried making up the uh, up, like just straight up the middle of the field, straight up the seam. And I don't remember exactly who it was, but the receiver and him, I think I think it was uh, JSN, just weren't on the same page. Whereas if JSN kept just trailing up, it probably would have been not a, not a touchdown. Get him in field goal range. You would have had extra three points on the board. Could have won this game in theory. But it just, that was like the one, that too was by the playoff back on the most, where it's like, because they, they didn't trust him to even throw the ball again. It was like, this this isn't going to work. Like Drew already, he's throwing the reception and that missed read. It was like, we're not trusting him to throw the ball. Their, their offense went dead in the water just like that. And it's like, that's where it hurts the most. It's like, you came really yeah. as a fan pointed at anybody. Pinpoint it's like, what it was Yeah, it was literally just a simulation saying like, Nope, the Seahawks cannot be one seat. Like, like what the fuck? Like, that's just the Kills worst way take, for it to man. happen.
1: I was, I'm ready to do a victory lap on that one. Yeah, that, that's what, that's what I'm it, saying. It, like, it, it, and the thing is, if the Seahawks win the division, it's right. Like, that's all I Even need. If they come close. Yeah. I think it was, it
0: we, we knew we were standing out with that take. Yeah, it yeah. was definitely, it was a good take. We're standing on it. Um, Good day on defense for their secondary. Yeah, it's the young guys. Tariq Woolen one interception. Devin Witherspoon one sack. But then also, like, it's the thing is, yeah, so this was a great day. With the Rams, I want to move over to the Rams real quick. Because I want to say, I got a few things I want to say for the Rams. It's like, what are you going to really say? There's not too much. No. I don't think, you're not looking at, did this redeem the season? Anything like that. This was just kind of one of those fun wins you get as a bad team, right? Oh, yeah. But we'll say, we'll talk about it for a second. Because, look, Royce Freeman? taking over as the running back one, it seems. I know Darrell, Darrell Henderson's still out there on the third down. He's still out there to pass block. Bryce Freeman out of nowhere in these few first light like, ways, but I think he's played like four games now, just kind of stepping in. He's yeah. had a great, he's had great weeks every single week he steps in. I don't use the word great. I'm over, overshooting. He's had good weeks, very productive weeks. And then Puka Nakua, at first that don't even say big game again in a while, but you know he's back back with a bigger game: five receptions, seventy yards, a touchdown. And then I get to give a shout out to Darian Kentricks, first career interception. Definitely could not choose a better time to have your first career interception. Seal the win away. Never forget that one. So that was definitely one of those just fun wins for the Rams. I guess it doesn't really say too much about them. It just says that they took yeah. advantage of a good situation.
1: We we know what the Rams are. And kind of like we've said all year, they just needed to ship away the talent that they had and rebuild. Because Cooper Cup, like he's hurt again. Like
0: that's it really did hurt to watch that one. Because it, it's so much has been on or that like that's a narrative. I didn't want to be right. Like yeah. I didn't want to be right on the narrative that two of our most generational receivers we ever had being Michael Thomas and Cooper cup of this generation, they had like a one year at their peak. We never got to see them replicate that same season. Unfortunately, it's spot on yeah. because that's exactly where we're at now. And Rams fans hated me for that. Number somebody was like very adamant that like Cooper Cooper was going to come back and still be the same exact guy. And I'm sorry to say that I was right because I didn't want it to be this way. Yeah. But Coop. He is an injury prone guy much more than he was before. and He already was. But now it's like now you're worried every single week he steps out there. So it well, sucks. It sucks.
1: Going into the next game, Minnesota at Denver. Russ is not the same guy, but he's playing well enough to win. He's playing good football. Well, and, eight, like we said, with a guy like Sean Payton next to him,
0: my heart was beating a little bit. I was like, Sean's not going to make you look like a jackass, is he? There's no way my boy Sean's going to make you look insane. All right, sure, sure enough. You're starting to see what I knew that the uh, Sean Payton era Bro, Broncos were going to look like. Oh,
1: that's what I—I th- I just knew at some point it was going to turn a corner because, like, no way this is Sean like, There's Payton. No way this dude frauded me out. Like, Bro, no way, Drew. Shot.
0: Like, I knew Drew was the goat, man. But like, I didn't think Drew was holding it down like that. Where she he made Sean not look like a fraud. But no, sure enough, that wasn't the narrative. It, Sean's not a fraud. I'm very happy to say. I'm very happy to see. I think yeah, this this was this is the I used to word like, continuity we were going to see from the Broncos like good very good i don't want to use the word stout but very consistent defense yeah like very like smart situational offense like that's the broncos now i would say like they've turned into a very situationally i don't want to say dominant but they're they're a good situational football team they play things the way they should play them they address situations the way the situation should be addressed and when you don't have maximum talent i think it's about all you can do well the broncos are very much in that middle of the road kind of like situation if you're a Broncos fan, you've got to feel ecstatic about this. Like, you know you're nowhere where you need to be to go make the run, but you say to yourself, like, hold on a minute. We're definitely got, we got the guy to make the run with. Now we just got to make some shit shake over the next two years.
1: I mean, Russ is currently tied for third for amount of touchdowns and in terms of quarterback starting 10 games, he is tied with Derek Carr for the least amount of picks before. Like, Russell Wilson is playing very good, efficient offense. He's, like we said, he's not moonball Russ anymore. No. It's like, you could, you can, guys,
0: you know, they, they, they're over the career. They, they, they lose some things, but the great ones will adjust some things, yeah. right? And it's like with Russ, I feel like what, he lost the moonball. But then, we didn't, last year, he was very stubborn on it. It was like, he was like, ready to take that step at being more just like, I'm going to check it down more. I'm going to just, I'm going to my first open guy. I'm not going to get too fucking... What's what I'm looking for here? Greedy. Yeah, that was him last year. Vic. A little too greedy. A little too. I'm still Moonball Russ. It's like he had that that moment in his head. He said, "No, no, Moonball Russ. He's done." I think that, that was, was. He's saying, like I was Moonball over. Russ, and I always I always remember it. I always <laughs> remember those days. Like you know, Moonball Russ existed. He doesn't exist anymore. Once Russ started stopped kissing babies,
1: he started playing well. I think I think it has to do a lot to do with Sean Payton, but in reality, honestly, they need to piss test Cortland Sutton. What the fuck has he been on these last couple weeks? He has been playing out of his fucking mind.
0: I think what's funny is this always was Cortland Sutton. I think it's, it's so hard to trust him because of his, we know his injury history. Yeah, yeah. But this has always been Cortland Sutton. Like when he's out there and he's healthy, man. He's had a touchdown in on the one, last five games. One on one. It's like a guy like Corden the way he's built. It's damn hard to defend him. This has always been him. I mean, he's got great body control, great hands. He is, he's a QB's dream. When he's healthy, that's six, four Daniel 240 frame. I mean, it's like, you can't really, you cannot teach that type of stuff. No. Gorlin Sutton is in an unteachable talent range. You just got to be out there
1: healthy. It was a good day for the Broncos on offense. They also played decent on defense. The Vikings also had a pretty good day on offense. Josh Dobbs, pretty good. Like Josh Dobbs, you cannot like, bro, 2,200 yards, 12 touchdowns and six interceptions on the year. Like you can't complain about that. No,
0: not at all. And I'd say too, like if you're, if you're a Vikings fan, You've got to be very happy, I feel like, about how the run games look recently. Like, yeah, look, that's where, that's why I think it's weird. Is if I, if I told you that you guys rushed for almost like one, what, like 180? Yeah, like almost 180 of the other day. Didn't feel like it. But when you can do that consistently, y- you have a chance to win almost any game. And it's like, I feel like start off a little slower. Their offensive line, like, really found their groove, I yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. It's like you, you really were struggling with this early on. Now you're starting to exactly, you're starting to get into a little bit of a flow. And when, Josh Dodge is coming into his own and he's going to be feeling out the ropes. That's exactly what you need to happen. You got to take, you got to take a yeah. security blanket, throw it on him. It's exactly what you guys did.
1: The Vikings have the best pass block and the sixth best run block, according to PFF. So the old line has definitely been coming okay. together. The top three teams for pass block are Vikings, lions, Packers. I'd say like the Viking are in a territory too, where they have,
0: I'd say a lot of young guys that they've added recently. I'd say you could say offense and defense, but, you know, where you got to give them shouts out. Uh, shit, on the defensive side of the ball, I got to give my shouts to Ivan Pace, undrafted linebacker, playing great this year. Cameron Bynum, young safety, playing great. Makai Blackman, rookie corner, playing really, really good. Like, this, this new regime has been really, really hitting on the draft picks. Where yeah. I said, I was so sure that they were going to have to hit this rebuild, but hold on. Maybe, just maybe, they've been hitting these last few drafts so well that these guys that are so young are going right to step right in. Maybe I was a little wrong. I, I, again, I'm always getting my, my wrongs. The Vikings just maybe still have enough ammo in the tank that that whole competitive rebuild they're going for, I think they might just be able to still, still stay on that.
1: I agree. I mean, they already have like the top skill positions, TJ and Justin, and then they added Jordan Addison. Daniel so Hunter's so playing like an
0: all-pro this year for the first time. He's always been playing a really, really good player. Now he's playing like an all-pro. So it's sacks like... Sacks
1: on the year. He's, he's, a, he's an absolute beast. Too bad he's going to be a bear next year. Anyway, <laughs> um, that was You Don't Know Ball number 60, Week 11 Recap. So yeah, thank you guys for watching. Yeah, thanks so much for watching. If you enjoyed, drop a like, drop a sub. We'd love to see you guys
0: back again. Y'all have a great rest of your day.